24, 2022 City Council Joint Meeting with State Legislators. This joint meeting of the Longmont City Council and our State Legislators is now in session. The meeting's being live streamed. For information about where to view the live stream, please go to www.longmontcolorado.gov forward slash agendas. There will be only one opportunity for public comment at the end of the meeting and instructions for calling in will be displayed on screen when it is time for public comment. Uh, you can see the screen up now and the number that you need to call in is 888-788-0099. Please enter the meeting ID 828-7983-9401. And press the pound sign. Please uh, kill the mute, the video, the sound on your uh, computer when you call in. I would like now to invite Sandy Cedar, our assistant city manager, to introduce the legislators and get the meeting started. Thank you so much, Mayor Peck. Um, I my name is Sandy Cedar. I'm the assistant city manager and also the city's legislative affairs person. So. I'm the lobbyist for the city council and help to connect our legislators with our city council members. So I'd love to introduce our city, our uh, representatives tonight. We have representative Burnett, as well as representative McCormick. I was not able to confirm with Senator Jaquez Lewis, um, but if she's able to join, hopefully she'll, she can jump in at some point as we go. So um, what I'd like to start with though, is I would love to hear a little bit about the legislative initiatives that representative Burnett and representative McCormick are running this session. So uh, if it works for you all, we'll start with representative McCormick. Oh, great, you caught me off guard. I thought you were going oh. alphabetical. No, no, that's good. <laughs> I was gonna let representative Burnett finish her dinner. She was still eating. Oh, that's true, that's true. Well, um, Thank you, Sandy, um, and thank you, Mayor Peck, and all uh, our wonderful council members. Uh, it's, it's great to sort of see you. Um, so I, just so people that are listening understand like which area I cover, um, the House District 11 is my house district, and it's a, a large part of Longmont, not all of it. Um, and then it heads uh, west to Lyons, Allens Park, and also picks up Niwot. And that's how it will be for the rest of this year um, until redistricting um, gets put into play in 2023. So that's, that's my house district. And um, a lot of things, uh, it, it seems like the legislative session kind of gets off to a slow start as uh, the hundreds of bills that everyone has been working on um, throughout the summer and fall start to get into the system. It takes a while for them to be introduced, assigned to committee, start to be heard in committee. So um, it, it seems like the train is just starting to chug along and get up to speed. But meanwhile, we have spent um, last week and this week in um, our smart hearing acts, which are the, um, the hearings where we have um, accountability reports from the different departments in our um, state government report to the various committees of reference um, that relate to their, their area. So last week, uh, we had a, a very long day in the Agriculture, Livestock and Water Committee listening to the reports from the Department of Agriculture here in the state, as well as the Department of Natural Resources. And it was a very informative um, meeting, even though it was long, it was really great to hear of all the great work that they're doing at the state uh, and the implementation of many of the bills that we passed last session um, with some of the stimulus money that was put to really good, good use um, through those departments. Um, so that's kind of what's happening right now. Uh, I will, I don't know how much time I have. I can touch on some of the bills that I'm, uh, I failed to ask you that, Sandy, <laughs> at the beginning. Um, how much time do you want me to go? Because um, I would say, how about maybe five minutes with kind of your major initiatives? And yes, we'll, great. We'll go to Representative Burnett. We'll have counsel. Sounds, sounds good. So um, some of the things that I'm working on, I was on a water resources review committee this summer, 
And out of that committee is a bill that's it's I'm not carrying it per se, but it was part of our committee initiative to um, help the Republican River Valley and the San Luis Valley areas of our state with water compact compliance and to um, help aquifer restoration in the southwest part of our state. Really, really important measure. Um, so be on the lookout for that to come come down the line. Um, I'm working on a bill to help occupational therapists, physical therapists, and speech therapists uh, who have used equine-assisted therapy, yes, that's horses, for 40 years or more it, with their clients in Area Practice Act. And, I, and it just so happens that it's starting in the house, and I just so happen to be the only veterinarian down there. So that's really exciting uh, that I am helping to craft the... Um, the renewal of our profession. There are some amendments that are coming forward. We also have an exciting thing happen which are not a recognized profession, but want to be. And so we are working very hard. Um, this is a, a, a pretty big deal to bring the veterinary technicians into the Veterinary Practice Act. Um, and we have a lot of veterinary practices and veterinary technicians in Longmont. So um, they are going to be hearing about this. Um, I have a bill that I'm working with, with the, um, the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment uh, to help, and this came forward from uh, Marty Moore from Out Boulder County, to have uh, a way for better data collection for the LGBTQ plus community um, so that we can, uh, better data drives better outcomes as we know. And so we need uh, better data uh, to help with better health outcomes um, in this area. And so we're working closely with CDPHE to figure out how to do that. And, th and that's a bill that's gonna be coming forward. Um, I'm also working with the Department of Agriculture uh, with a bill that will help with resources and implementation of the, the very big lift, the farm workers um, bill that we carried last year, um, just to help get uh, resources, both to workers and employers on the implementation and training of heat, uh, heat stress, um, the ergonomics of hand weeding, uh, overtime rules and all of that that is new information we want to make it easier on them and that's that's just a few so I'll stop there um, and uh, look forward to any discussion or questions. Thank you so much Representative McCormick it sounds like quite a full plate already even though we're only a couple weeks in. <laughs> Representative Burnett would you be willing to Oh boy, yes. <laughs> and so I want to say it's so it's wonderful working with Rep McCormick. Uh, we have such a great group down at the legislature. So I just had to say that. Um, uh, first of all, I represent um, the sort of eastern part of Longmont, but it's it runs sort of diagonally from uh, the Ute Creek Golf Course area in the northeast part of Longmont down diagonally to Creekside. And uh, it includes prospect, but you know, basically that's that it kind of does this jaggedy um, 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 line through Longmont. And I have to say, um, I'm running for a re-election in HC12, and it's redistricted. And I will not be in Longmont next time. It kills me. But uh, so Rep McCormick is. Uh, uh, if we both get elected, then uh, Rep McCormick will represent all of Longmont. So. Um, but you know, my heart, my heart's with Longmont. <laughs> so, uh, so first of all, um, I do have to say that my district right now does include the Marshall Fire uh, victims in Louisville and part of Lafayette. And uh, so I've been, this is, uh, you know, uh, well, many people were celebrating on New Year's Eve, I was uh, on the phone to all sorts of state officials helping um, helping residents uh, with the evacuation and, uh, and uh, recovery effort. Uh, university information technology projects, and we evaluate them from a technical standpoint. So I'm going through many days of hearings, uh, making uh, really making sure that these projects are uh, technically um, viable, that they're well planned, and also we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars and so we're making sure and making recommendations on what you know what ranking um, on all these wonderful projects you know um, in, in, in 
well, anyway, what, you know, rank them in terms of whether they're viable and whether we recommend that they be funded. So that's been a lot of my work. Um, but of course, I've been working on bills. So I'll run down through those pretty quickly. My big bill is, uh, is still going through a little bit of sausage making process uh, uh, to, before it's introduced. Uh, it's an air quality, an ozone air quality improvement bill. And as you all know, especially here in Longmont, um, we've had a real problem with ozone. We are, uh, the front range is about to be downgraded for the fifth time uh, for ozone non-attainment. And this is, this, the wildfires that we've had over the last several years has only exacerbated the problem. We have an ozone problem anyway. And, and, and um, many of you might know that my son nearly died of asthma when he was a toddler and I have asthma. In fact, I have to check the ozone levels before I go out and do my runs because I've had to scrap a lot of workouts. So this is really near and dear to my heart. Uh, so what this bill is, uh, is focusing on improving the ozone air quality by looking at better modeling of emissions sources, um, air quality monitoring, permitting, reporting to the public, enforcement, all those things. I've been talking to a lot of scientists and people who really know what's going on in this area to formulate something that will make a difference. Um, sorry, my phone, I forgot to put my phone in the other room there, so I'll keep talking. <laughs> um, but there's an environmental justice component to it. And like I said, um, improved reporting to the public. I think this is something that many people have really wanted to see is improved reporting to the public. It also sets up the framework for other air quality kind of legislation. Um, Representative Kennedy is running a bill on um, uh, this focusing on toxic air pollutants like benzene. And so, so my bill is providing a framework under which uh, and other air quality bills can, uh, can fit in there. One of the other uh, bills I'm running, one of the big bills is a um, advanced energy codes for buildings. And this, this has been pretty widely um, talked about so far. Um, and it's, okay, so here's the deal. Every single, uh, the state has to define model energy, minimum energy codes for communities. But each community, each city, each county then adopts those codes and enforces them. So this is, this is not new. We did this in 2007 and again, I think it was in 2018. And it's time to update these codes. And what I really like about this is that they're really forward looking. And we're looking at three different codes. The first one, which uh, cities would and counties would have to adopt by 2025, um, looks at the latest uh, IECC codes uh, from 2021 and includes uh, that the building codes for both commercial and residential buildings must be electric vehicle ready, heat pump ready, solar ready. And these codes are gonna be developed by the Colorado Energy Office. Okay, so that's by 2025. Then in 2030, there'll be model energy codes that uh, require communities to, um, to adopt near zero carbon codes. And by that, I mean, if you have an all electric building, it's near zero in terms of carbon, except for the carbon that is produced by the um, utilities that's generating that electricity. So it's near zero carbon. But I look at this bill as the Colorado way. It's, it's not banning gas at all. There are multiple paths to the near zero carbon. So if residents or businesses want to have gas in their building, they can do that. It requires that there be an accommodation for or, or an accounting that the, um, the carbon is um, accounted for in a different way. The carbon that's used to, uh, that you're burning um, by using gas is accounted for, say by um, more energy efficiency 
or um, by solar panels or some other. So now I'm getting a little wonky here, but um, but that's that's the that's the second of the codes. The third one is a voluntary code. This is for communities who really want to go beyond these other two codes and look at things like indoor air. It's a green code, indoor air quality, uh, water conservation, all sorts of things like that. So it's a voluntary code. So that's that's my number two bill. <laughs> and I'll quickly go through the other three. <laughs> okay, another one is grid resilience. Um, uh, this is requiring the Colorado Energy Office to look at grid resilience. And by that, I mean resilience and reliability. Everything from wildfires to squirrels can cause a disruption in our grid. And saying, starting from that and looking at the grid resilience of our, our state, and then identifying what are those critical facilities and of course you think of hospitals, but also grocery stores and senior centers and other things. And then what are those critical areas of, our, of, the, um, of the state that are more vulnerable to grid disruption, electric grid disruption? And then from there, to figure out if and how microgrids, electric, Micro, microgrids, like think solar panels plus storage, how microgrids fit in and can make the grid more resilient. This is technology agnostic, developer agnostic, and, um, and it's also, so there's room for everybody. So it's basically a study bill and a roadmap, and I can get into more details, but there's a lot of excitement about this bill. Um, Two more I'll just talk very quickly about. One of them was, um, I actually was working with the St. Fran Valley School District. And this is a, um, an education procurement bill that basically saves school districts money and protects student data privacy. And, um, you know, I'm gonna leave it at that because, uh, it, you know, that, because I know people have questions and things like that. The final bill, is basically modernizing some uh, grant and loan programs to foster community investments in energy efficiency and uh, resilience and uh, clean heat and just transition. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. <laughs> and I think I've talked plenty. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Representative Burnett. You know, I would say that for the city council, many of their priorities are the same things that you were talking around, uh, you know, around energy resilience and around, um, you know, equity. I saw the equity piece with the better data collection for LGBTQ, the better building codes that you're, you're speaking, <laughs> I would say you're speaking very close to our heart um, in Loma. I did have one quick question, Representative Burnett. One thing that I had heard around the air quality piece was, uh, will you be focusing any on oil and gas air quality monitoring specifically? Uh, in Longmont, we certainly do a lot of air quality monitoring. And so we pay for that. And it does seem like perhaps the state is a little underfunded in their own monitoring of it. So I thought I'd at least ask the question. Um, yeah, yeah, well, okay. So any, my bill is focused not just, not just, let me put it this way. It's focused on um, sources that contribute to our ozone problem, okay? And it includes minor sources. So it's looking at modeling you know, we, we um, I don't know if you, if you recall, there was a whistleblower report back in the spring that, you know, okay, nothing fraudulent was done. I want to make sure that people understand that nothing fraudulent was done, but it looked to me, okay, I'm an engineer. I looked at that and said, hmm, you know, it looks like we could tighten up that modeling process. So that's really where that, that really is um, what spurred me to take a deeper dive at this. Okay. I'd love to introduce the city council or have them introduce themselves and ask any questions that they may have. So, uh, Mayor, who would you like to go first? Well, um, I have a, a couple of questions, but I would actually like for uh, the other councilors to weigh in first. But I do want to make a, I, I should have written a fast email. Uh, Councilwoman Hidalgo Faring was going to come in late. Is there anybody watching to see if she's trying to, I just want to put that. 
and she was leaving. She was going to text me when she was ready, but let me just double check my email too, just to make sure. Okay. Uh, is there anybody on council that would like to go first on Q and A? Uh, Councilwoman Martin. You're muted, uh, Marsha. My space bar doesn't work unless I press it really hard. Um, let's see. So um, on your, I think it was your number two bill, Representative Burnett, um, that, uh, which was about the building codes. Is that correct? Yes. Um, Longmont is also working on sustainable building codes, uh, specifically for electrification. And um, of course, it's it, the recommendations of the electrification committee aren't out yet, but it's looking to me like Longmont's timeline is gonna be faster than the state's timeline, which is not unusual. But I wanted to make sure it, that, that the state legislation is not gonna pose obstacles uh, to municipalities that want to be ahead of the curve and that we are going to continue to have local control about how soon, um, you know, electrification readiness, uh, all electric, et cetera, uh, is gonna happen. I'm, I'm glad you asked that question. Uh, in fact, Lafayette, I mean, Lafayette, uh, Louisville has already adopted the 2021 codes. So, uh, you know, so there's, you know, there's definitely a, a, a very strong interest, especially here in Boulder County to do that. Um, the model codes will be published, um, I believe in um, about six months before that. So, but this is a stakeholder, you know, codes are very, um, they're, you know, they're, they're very complicated. And so I think that there'll be quite the stakeholder process with the Colorado Energy Office. And so I think that there'll be plenty of opportunity for that communication. Before. So uh, when you said the codes will be published about six months before that, before what? I mean, since- Before, I'm sorry, before, in, in like mid 2024. Okay, sorry about that. So, uh, so what happens to cities that have already adopted codes, in, uh, the 21 codes in 22 or 23. Well, you're ahead of the game. That, yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Or is that going to become an impediment when the state says produces guidelines? Uh, you know what, I, I'd have to check, I don't believe so. I think this is, this will support what you're doing, but let's take that offline because I don't want to answer, you know, I would not want to miss answer the question. Let me put it that way. So let's take that offline and, and I will get you an answer on that. Thank you. Um, is there anyone else that would like to uh, jump in here? Well, in that case, I'll ask my questions. First of all, uh, Rep McCormick, Karen, I would like to um, tell you that I really like the sunset review bill that you are proposing to get the uh, the professions, the veterinarian technicians into your act. I think that they absolutely need to be part of this, this uh, sunset, this act that, that is going to sunset, the Veterinary Practice Act. So um, kudos for doing that. Yeah, well, I can add to that because what happened is the, the Colorado Association of uh, Certified Veterinary Technicians is, is a organized group here in our state. And um, there are certified veterinary technicians that have to uh, achieve a level of schooling and pass a national exam that do um, work in our state. And then there are, of course, um, folks that have gained a tremendous amount of knowledge and skill in on-the-job training over the years. Um, so what has happened is the, the veterinary technicians that are certified uh, went to the Department of Regulatory Agencies and said, we want a sunrise review. And so I just learned what sunset and sunrise were. They wanted to have their potential profession looked at uh, to see if they could be eligible 
to become a regulated profession. So there was a whole year-long study of the veterinary technicians with their input, and, and they produced a sunrise report in October along with the sunset report from the, the veterinary community. And because we all get along so well, we have been working both with the veterinary technician community and the veterinarian community, and we're, we're attempting to take the sunrise report and make it into an amendment to amend into the sunset report, uh, the sunset draft bill for the Veterinary Practice Act. So I'm, I, my analogy is we're, we're making a really wonderful sandwich and there are all these different parts to the sandwich um, that are critical to uh, elevate the profession um, and guide the profession for the next 10 years and also give folks working as veterinary technicians that may not be certified a pathway to become certified, um, but also we're not leaving anyone out of the profession if they don't want to become certified. They've been working and are extremely qualified and skilled, and they've been in that field for 20 years. They do not have to become certified. They can continue to work. Uh, they just, at some point in time, and that's in the, the bill, they won't be able to call themselves a veterinary technician. They may have to call themselves a veterinary assistant or something else because the, the veterinary technicians want title protection once they get there. But we can't afford to, um, to force anybody out of this profession. We are at a, an extreme shortage across our state and across the nation. Um, and so anything that we can do to elevate and promote um, all levels of the profession is what we're trying to do. So um, it will get, we'll have the report from Dora next Monday in um, the, uh, the Agriculture, Livestock, and Water Committee, which I'm the chair of. Um, and that'll be the kind of the first public uh, step. So thank you, Mary Peck, because I'm, as you can tell, I'm really excited about it. I'm so super proud of my profession and it's just a thrill to be there and such an honor to be able to, it's just kind of luck that it all happened right now. Yeah. And your passion shows <laughs> really fortunate to have somebody in that uh, area of expertise because they have to be represented. And, and I'm, I just thank you for your service. This is yeah, great. It's a quiet, it's a quiet profession too. There's yeah. not that many of us. Um, but we are critical. We're critical to our $40 billion uh, ag animal industry here in our state. And so um, it, it's really important that we get this right because once we do it, it's it's set for 10 years. It's kind of like the census. You don't get another go at it for 10 years. Well, thank you very much. So, um, and then going to um, Representative uh, Bennett, Burnett, I'm sorry, got that totally screwed up. Sorry, Tracy. Um, on your ozone air quality bill, I think this is a great bill. I'm really excited about it. But my concern is who is the oversight for this? If it passes, who would be the oversight to make sure that um, it's being followed? Because I'm a little concerned that SB 181 it doesn't have much oversight. And annually, you know, this is only one year into that bill. And we really don't know where to go with it as far as you're not following it. So for me, it is after it passes, who do we contact? Who do we work with if it, if it isn't met? The code or the gold or the bill isn't met. I am so glad you asked that question. Uh, and like I said, the bill is still uh, being drafted, but... Um, I am talking to people who have been on the frustration side of that issue. So I'll leave it at that. Okay. Uh, I'm talking to I said, scientists and people, you know, community members and people who are really concerned about that. So yeah. stay tuned. And I agree with you that it is not just oil and gas, even though that's a huge component. And I want to thank you for the bill you ran uh, last year about the methane that's being produced from cement and um, hitting all sources. I think it's great. Um, the other thing 
I love the advanced energy codes for buildings uh, and the opportunity for us to, with your bills, for us to move further on our goals of 100% renewable or just, uh, just cleaning up our environment and giving developers, builders, uh, and the city the opportunity to, to help all of us move forward. So, yeah, I, you know, I look at buildings, that's the hardest nut to crack. It is. In terms of, uh, and it'll take the longest time to decarbonize. That's why, you know, as a new representative, that's why I wanted to focus on buildings. And um, I think that it's also really important if we want to wean ourselves of fossil fuels, that means that we have to start in our homes, in our businesses with how we heat our food, how we heat our buildings, how we heat our, our water. And so, and along the line, I just have to say, it's so important that we make sure that everybody is brought along on that path to uh, sustainable infrastructure, the future. And so, Every single bill that I look at in this area, I have an equity lens looking at disproportionately impacted communities and also people who are lower on the income scale. That is core to my being. Thank you. That's exactly where I think we need to start too with the lower 20% and build up because the, the higher economic scale can usually afford to do things for their homes and we, we cannot leave, everybody has to be included. Um, well, that's it, I think. If I think of another comment, I'll definitely speak up. Um, Peck, I probably should have switched these around and had council members um, introduce themselves as well before this, but I was so excited to get right into the meat of the, <laughs> the pills. So I'm wondering if we could have our council members just give a wave and, and introduce themselves. And looking on my screen, I know that Marcia was able to, to, to wave and say hello, and of course you. So uh, I'm wondering if uh, Councilmember Yarbrough could introduce yourself to our representatives. Hello, thank you for um, meeting with us this evening and I'm Shakita Yarbrough. So thanks again. Good to see you. Thank you, Mayor Pro Tem Rodriguez. Hello, representatives. It's good to see you again, as always. I know we've seen each other a few times and spoken a few times. Um, and I will have a question, but I'll let the other council members, uh, or at least remaining council member, introduce themselves. Thank you. That would be me, I suppose. Yep, you got it. Council Member Waters. <laughs> Tracy and Karen, good to see you both. Uh, I, I won't have questions. I'll just say thank you for your service and say, uh, go for it. Good luck in this next election cycle. I, I don't think you're going to need good luck. I know you're both well-prepared and you've done a great job. Thank you, Councilmember Waters. Um, I would love for uh, Mayor Pro Tem Rodriguez to go ahead and ask his question. Mayor Pick, I just checked everything and I haven't heard anything yet from Councilmember Hidalgo Ferrick. So I'll just, we'll keep watching for her though. Thank you. Okay, uh, I was just wondering, um, Thank you very much for giving us a rundown on the bills that you both are, will be running, or at least uh, plan on running in this, this coming session. I know how they have to go through, you know, committee and all that. And uh, looking forward to seeing how that all goes. Uh, what I am uh, curious about is, I think we're all very well aware of the problems that many of the communities on the front range face as far as our unhoused populations are concerned. And so I was just wondering if you know of any particular legislature, because you know, I, I tend to be of the feeling that we're going to need a more regional approach, even if not a statewide approach, knowing that likely the federal government's not going to be able to come together and do anything about it. So I'm just wondering if there's anything you've heard from colleagues about, you know, maybe some strategies that they, they look at running bills on. Council, uh, Republican, no. Sandy, take over this. <laughs> you can call me representative. <laughs> Good thing I know Karen. But <laughs> yeah, um, I just wanted to let you know that actually tomorrow we plan to hear from the very critical task forces that were working um, this summer. Uh, one was the the uh, housing task task force, that's really hard to say, task force, um, the behavioral health task force, 
the Workforce Development Task, task Force, I don't know why I'm having trouble, and Economic Recovery. So tomorrow we get to finally hear, and I was not privileged to be on any of those task forces, um, but what we get to hear tomorrow is kind of what is coming out of those task forces. What are their, their key items um, that they have distilled down to uh, work into potential bills, uh, pieces of legislation to move forward. So um, maybe we can catch up with you once we kind of get, get the cliff notes on that. I do know that um, Representative Basenecker and Representative Hooten are working on, um, they, uh, especially Representative Hooten has been um, instrumental in the uh, in mobile home park residents' um, rights and um, protections, and Representative Basenecker is bringing forth a bill this year um, that I don't know the details about, but again, it's to help with those in mobile home parks, um, uh, potentially with some of the protections that they have desperately needed. So um, love to get back to you on what we learn. Um, Tracy, if you know of anything in particular, uh, please share. Uh, I think you did a, a great job. I'd just like to say that the ARPA money that we, that we got as a state last year, we used some of it to stabilize our budget we spent some of it um, for immediate impact, but we held back a lot for those four important areas, affordable housing, behavioral health, workforce development and economic development. So um, the, there's been many members that have been working very hard on that. So I just wanna, um, I, I'm really looking forward to that because I think there's such a, a serious need in all those areas, especially affordable housing and behavioral health. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Mayor Peck, uh, Councilmember Hidalgo Faring just joined us. So, uh, Councilmember Hidalgo Faring, if you'd like to introduce yourself, feel free to jump on and say hello. Hi, good evening. Um, I'm Councilmember Susie Hidalgo Faring. Um, I, I was at the library board meeting, so I had to split my time here. But thanks for, for letting me in. <laughs> And Councilmember Hidalgo-Fair, I know you're just jumping in. We've just been talking about um, energy and building codes and sunset review processes, some of the ARPA funding and the priorities for the state. So if you have any questions, um, feel free to, to just jump on in and, and ask anything you would like at this point. All right. Mayor Peck, if there aren't any other questions, I do have a couple things that have been that have come up that are of concern for city staff that we are hearing might be coming along. And so we just wanted to mention a couple of things, if that's all right with you. Can I just uh, add on what I was going to ask uh, Representative Burnett, and I forgot, uh, in your building code, uh, Bill, are you going to include schools in that, or school districts, because they have such huge buildings um, and the opportunity to electrify to elect for electrification of school buildings would be huge. Any uh, residential or commercial building that requires a building permit. So we're talking new buildings as well as major renovations that require a building permit would be included in this. Thank you. That's all I had, Sandy. <laughs> Great, thanks. So a couple of things that city staff are just concerned around. Um, part of this that I kind of mentioned during the air quality discussion was around COGCC and air monitoring, air quality monitoring for older wells. Didn't know if there was gonna be any legislation coming up um, around uh, you know, ones that are not subject to new regulations. And so just curious if there was anything that you're hearing on that front. That's the uh, first one. Well, uh... As you know, this is a little bit of a sausage making process right now, but the governor, Governor Polis has, uh, has put in his budget request significant invest, requesting significant investments in air quality in several different buckets. One of them is in improving the air monitoring um, uh, with aerial monitoring, with uh, mobile units, 
and also improving the, I think there's 42 stationary monitors around the state. So that's one request. Another one is significantly increasing the number of um, uh, employees at the health department that will be looking at monitor, at, at modeling and things like that. And there's also a, um, yeah, I can't remember how many, how many employees, but I know that the air quality budget request is about $7 million. And then there's another almost $13 million uh, budget request. Actually, I just reviewed it literally just the other day. It's, it's to upgrade the uh, information technology uh, systems that are, is used for um, permitting, for reporting, for enforcement, all those kind of things that we all care about. It's an almost $13 million uh, investment in information technology. Right now, a lot of that permitting process is manual, paper manual. So, so actually, this uh, it, I'm, I'm delighted that the that the governor is is looking at it, modernizing that, and this will not be shared only with. Um, the health department, but across departments like the Colorado Oil and Gas Commission and, and the Colorado Energy Office are actually even talking about things like uh, having a place for um, all the, you know, for collecting all the data on greenhouse gas emissions. So, um, yeah, lots of stuff going on there. Thank you. I was just going to add to that, uh, and I know um, Rep. Burnett kind of knows about this as well, but there were some efforts to bring forth a bill to address uh, the plugging of old and abandoned wells um, and to do so with uh, potentially better advanced materials and technologies. Um, and so I had a couple of meetings with uh, COGCC about this idea of using biochar and um, a certain cement mixes to use as a material for uh, the plugging of wells. Uh, there is research across the, the world and um, it's being started in Tennessee as well that this mixture could potentially uh, be more durable, last much, much longer and be more absorbed not only within the well, but also in the ground around the well uh, for absorbing um, these uh, toxic materials. Uh, at this point in time, the CO so there's not a bill coming this year. Uh, at this point in time, they are looking into the feasibility of doing a pilot study um, and trying to determine what the parameters of that study uh, might be, what would be the best way to even measure um, outcomes. Um, and so uh, kind of nebulous at this point, but I was pretty excited when I heard about the whole idea of using biochar in this, uh, in this way. And we'll be following up with them um, in late spring as they come forward with what they've learned at that point. That's great. It's wonderful to hear some of the new technology and the new investments that are being proposed because we, we definitely think they're needed. Yeah. Um, one other one that came from our HR department was the Equal Pay Act. So what we've noticed is that since the Equal Pay Act has gone into play, the rules that were promulgated by the Department of Labor may not be consistent necessarily with what the, the law was, was aimed towards. And so didn't know if you'd heard anybody potentially bringing in some cleanup legislation around that act. I'm not aware of anything, but the the first bills just were read over just in the last couple of days. So um, I guess we'll keep our eyes out for that. I yeah, and I, I have not either. But um, Sandy, I would love to know more specifics about where the mismatch is or where uh, what exactly might need to be cleaned up with CDLE with their rulemaking. So if you if you've seen that, um, please shoot us an email and let us know. Uh, what you're looking at and where the discrepancies may be so that we can um, be following that or look into that. That would be great. I'd be happy to send you some follow-up information. And, and I'd just like to point out too, as you see bills 
being read over, please reach out to us if you see concerns. Um, I, and, uh, you know, the way things work, uh, bill is read over, then it's gone into committee. If we are not on that committee, we do not see it until it gets on the, on the floor. And, and by then, it's, it's really far along in the process. So let us know as soon as possible if you see a problem with the bill. So we really, you know, because then we can talk to the bill sponsors directly uh, when there's a lot more time to, uh, to fix anything. Thank you so much for that invitation. The way that we, I know every municipality is a little different. The way that we do it in Longmont is that I read the bills for municipal significance and then send that out to our staff to either determine whether I'm right or <laughs> maybe not right. Then we bring the bills that we think are either significantly good or significantly not good for Longmont. We bring those to the city council and they vote on those for an official position. We try to do that in like a one week turnaround now. We've made some changes, uh, thanks to Council Member Martin, so that we're trying to do that in the same week so that as they're hitting committee, uh, we're able to, to analyze and take a look at it. So we have kind of a rolling process with city council. So you'll hear from me an email just like you did last year when you see those bills coming through. Um, and we do try to take that, that job very seriously. So we're not gonna comment on every single thing, but the things that are significant to us, you, you will absolutely hear from us just as soon as I can get it out. <laughs> Yeah, and in fact, one of those bills that we're hearing about is a collective bargaining bill for municipal employees. Now, I haven't seen it drop yet, uh, but in case you did not know, the, the city of Longmont, as part of our charter, um, has an amendment for collective bargaining for public safety staff. And so it's our understanding that, some, that this bill may try to usurp all of those agreements that are currently in place. And that would be really harmful for Longmont and obviously uh, take away years and years of work that we've been um, working with our public safety unions on. And so just just toss that out there that I haven't seen the final bill draft, but if it is uh, as uh, overtaking as it sounds, uh, then that's something that our, our voters voted on our charter that allows our collective bargaining the way that it's set up. And so uh, we certainly wouldn't want to invalidate their their votes with something that's coming down from the state. So. That's, That's good to know. And I know they're still uh, working on that because of feedback just like that. So um, it is good to know. And I do want you to know how much I appreciate your emails when they come in and you have your, you know, your bullet points of, of the particular bills. So thank you so much. And thank you to council for uh, your work when you look at these bills and study them in such short measure and get your word back to us. It's very, very helpful. So thank you. Thank you. Councilmember Hidalgo Faring, did you want to add something? Um, yeah, and actually that was one of the ones when um, uh, Representative Burnett had mentioned something about, um, you know, expressing concerns or um, input on, on bills. I was going to bring that, that up. So for us in the, so my understanding was that it essentially codifies the right for public sector employees to unionize. Um, is that, um, is that accurate? Is that, um, you know, what is your understanding of the bill? One thing I did learn though, is that um, the um, Senator Fenberg was wanting to remove um, the K-12 employees from the bill. Um, you know, for us, that would be, that would not be a good <laughs> in the public, in the um, public education realm. So I know that some public se sector groups are looking at this bill favorably, while, you know, as I'm hearing, public safety is not necessarily looking at this as a favorable move. So, you know, I'd like to, to get some more um, background in that, you know, at a later date. But, um, but as far as, um, you know, pulling public educators out of that, what was the rationale? Do you know? Um, what I, what I, my understanding is at the point a month ago anyway, so who knows where it's at now, yeah. is that if there were, if you were already involved in any uh, group that has a union, that it would not affect what you presently have in place. And it also would not um, mandate unions to form. What it would do is allow for the pathway for a group of public sector workers that wanted to, mm -hmm. uh, to be able to move towards that pathway where they could be recognized. Um, but it would not automatically create a whole bunch of unions. 
mm-hmm. um, in that respect. And it, and it was not supposed to interfere with existing unions um, and their ability to exist as they are. So um, again, that was my so uh, then overview. That, so then in that respect, it would not negatively or have any impact at all to what we're doing with our public safety. Um, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. So, and then as far as the public educators, though, I know that there are several districts in the state who meet and confer. So they do not have enough, I think the the 50%. So they do not have that 50% threshold to even have a contract. So um, in doing, so by removing that subgroup of people from the bill, it will have a detrimental impact on people who who just don't have that ability to be able to collectively bargain for their for their contracts. So, you know, I think, you know, that's something that kind of needs to be to be mentioned as well. So. And Councilmember Hidalgo Farring, as soon as I see that bill, we'll be reviewing it for all of those aspects and being bringing it to you because I think it is still shifting and changing. It is. Um, yeah. Okay. As, as, yeah, it is. You know, certainly turn is the is the right for public employees to be able to strike which is not something that we currently allow with our public safety contracts for the because it's public safety we have lots of employees that are in that and in that boat and it was my understanding this last time that it actually did override existing um contracts so that's i'll I'll look for that specifically because you just never know right so you see the bill you know you don't know. So as soon yeah, as it drops, so true. Oh, and I know from our, from our union, in order to, well, if we did strike, uh, we, it'd have to be the vote of the members. So if the members shot it down, we would not move forward with that. So there are, you know, so pro, several processes and that's kind of the last resort. We never want to go straight for burning, burning that bridge. Um, and then another one that I wanted to ask about, and um, I don't know if this was mentioned earlier, my apologies for coming in at late. Um, are there any bills moving forward as far as um, strengthening tenant rights or anything? And I don't want to say, you know, rent control, but rent control. <laughs> are there any bills or any discussion on looking at that component? Yeah, the only one I know about is the mobile home park. Okay. Um, and, and I don't have the specifics, but I, I believe there is at least one, maybe two mobile home um, protection uh, mm-hmm. rights type bills. Um, so I just know that Representative Basenecker and Representative Hooten, uh, so you could you could be watching for those. So um, other than in that space, I, I don't know, but we might learn tomorrow. So okay. when we hear from the task force. Got it, okay. Thank you. Okay, Mayor Peck, I would just ask and see if there's any other council members that have questions or anything else that we want to share before we wrap up. Yep. Do I have anybody out there? Anybody out there in Zoom land that wants to ask a question? Uh, Harold, do you uh, want to make any comments or ask any questions? No, I think uh, Sandy covered it on the Equal Pay Act. We will uh, get that information in just to give you a sense of what it does. Um, it, cre- it actually, one of the things it does is it creates a position. If you're reorganizing it, it considers it an opening. So even though you have an incumbent in the position, um, you have to post it. And there's a chance that actually the incumbent could not get the position. And so it's nuances like that that really hamper us operationally in terms of restructuring and reorganizing within the organization, but we'll get you all the details. Okay, thank you. I do have one, as we continue these conversations, things just keep coming into my brain as to what I want to ask. So uh, I do have one. Uh, You know, when we talk about housing, there are all kinds of bills Uh, and grants for affordable housing, which I think is great. And Longmont sure takes advantage of those grants and those opportunities. But is there anyone uh, in the legislative bodies that are thinking about attainable housing? Um, Are there any grants coming down? Are there, rather than just codes to help us meet that uh, gap in our housing? Do you know if anybody's addressing that? And if you know of any grants, that developers can apply for or uh, how we can move this forward? I'm not aware of anyone, anything along that line, but maybe we'll learn more tomorrow. 
Okay, that would be great if you could update us. Yeah, yeah, I do know that 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 folks uh, are certainly using the same terminology. It's not just always about affordable; it is about attainable. Uh, so I know at least the focus has shifted or or been more inclusive of uh, all of those differences depending on the the um, county that you are in or the city that you're in because it does make a big difference if it's affordable and attainable. So if you hear of, of anybody in, in the legislature that is um, addressing this issue, I wouldn't mind, I and I'm sure some other people on council or in the city wouldn't mind having a conversation with them um, to see if we can move something forward to help all of us out. So thank you. And thanks for thanks for bringing that up. It is an issue, and I'm really glad you brought that up. Good. So um, I think we've covered everything, Sandy. Do you think so? I think so too. I just wanted to thank um, Representative Burnett and Representative McCormick for being here this evening remotely with us. Um, it, we really appreciate the partnership every year. Uh, they do a great job of getting back to me about questions when I raise concerns, and, and I would love to offer our services as staff expertise again this year. So if you have questions as you look through different bills, we are here to support you in that endeavor as well. So, uh, Mayor Peck, I do think we need to have a public invited to be heard. That's right. So, at this, okay, I'll take it over at this point. Because Thank you. We'll do this one. Um, Dallas, would you mind posting the call-in information? And we'll take a five-minute break while people call in. This will be the only time that we'll have public invited to be heard tonight. So the number is 1-888-788-0099. Uh, please mute your computer or turn off your mute so that we won't get static. Um, your meeting ID code is 828-7983-9401. Press the pound side on your phone. Thank you, and we'll be back shortly.
Mayor Peck and Council, we are about 10 seconds out from the five minute mark. We do have a caller. Thank you, Dallas. Um, let's let's just give them about two more minutes or another minute. Let's make it another minute. Make sure everybody gets in. Sounds great. Thank you. I'll let you know. Yes. Okay, we are approaching the six minute mark. I'm still not seeing any other callers, but we do have the one. So let's go ahead and lock that and uh, let that caller in. Absolutely, just one moment. Okay, caller with the last three digits, 879. Caller with the last three digits of their phone number, 879. Would you unmute yourself? Hello. Hello. Hi there. Hello. We can see and hear you. Hello. Please state your name and address, and then you can ask your question or comment. Christina Williams, 117 Quail Road. Thank you, Christina. Go ahead. Um, good evening, and thank you for your service for all of you. Um, I had a few questions and a few points I'd like to make about the smart meter rollout. So a perfectly possible scenario, say in your house, you're running the dryer, the refrigerator, the outdoor lighting, hot water heater, washing machine is on, maybe six bulbs. And if you do, maybe your husband's in the garage with an air compressor and his tools. According to, I looked all this up online as to what all of these uh, units pull as far as amperage and watts go, you could very easily be pulling about 26,000 watts according to the specification sheet for the Focus Axe smart meter, the service uh, disconnect says 200 amps, and the nominal voltage in the United States is about 110 volts. So if you calculate the power on that, then that's 2200 watts. So it's underrated. Um, I may have the wrong, I'm hoping I have the wrong specifications, and I'm wondering if you could direct me to where I could find those specifications. Um, because I certainly hope these are not all underrated. Christina. Um, I just showed how easily, how easy it is to pull, you know, as much as 26,000 watts. And it sounds like it would be very easy to overload one of these smart meters. Christina. Um, what happens when the power goes out? Christina. Uh-huh. I would like to. I know to that I only have three minutes, so that's why no. I wasn't. No, what I am going to tell you is this is a special session with our uh, two representatives online. This is a great question for our regular meeting tomorrow night during public invited to be heard. Um, so if you have a okay. question or a comment uh, to our two representatives, that would be acceptable. Do, okay. you, do you have any comments for our reps or a, um, a question? Yeah, I guess I have both. Please don't do the smart meter rollout. I've done some research on this and I think they're unsafe. And not only are they unsafe, but I think they should be the personal decision of everyone who gets one. If you Thank want one, then you could buy one. And if you don't want one, then you shouldn't be forced to get one. Thank you. And my questions are, where can I find the schematics for these smart meters that you guys have decided to use? If you will uh, leave your email address, we can have somebody uh, contact you. Uh, That'd be great. Okay. Thank you so much for calling in. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So since that is our last caller, I think that we have come to the end of our meeting. And I want to thank uh, all of you for showing up, especially staff, because this is your second uh, 
second meeting in a row this this week that is going to that is running late. So I thank you for your time and for hanging in there with us. And thanks to the, our two representatives. We learned a lot and I totally support all of the work that you're doing. Thank you very much. Thank you. Have a good evening. Thank good. you all. <laughs> good night. Good night. Bye.